everybody, and welcome to the AUSC Open Mic Podcast. I'm not Jody, as I'm sure you've noticed. Uh, so I'm Natasha. I'm your Vice President External, and uh, we're doing an on the road podcast uh, this time. We're up here in Grand Prairie with uh, the Alberta Student Executive Council, and we're just joining them during their conference to set their goals for the year. And and while we're up here, we had a great opportunity to chat with uh, Ryan Morstad, who is an AU student. He's a visiting student to AU. Um, So I'm going to let him introduce himself to you. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like what program you're in, maybe where you're from, and maybe a little interesting fact that you want us to know. Um, So my name's Ryan Morstad. I am a fourth year student uh, studying the Bachelor of Business Administration degree with a major in financial services. I'm from Calgary, so I've born born and raised in Calgary. I've, I've lived in Vancouver for a couple years, so that's kind of cool. I went to UBC out there, and I've been to a whole bunch of different schools as well as Athabasca. And I would say my cool fact is that I've been to 42 countries, so I travel a lot. And one of the like main cool things that I like about Athabasca courses is that I can do them while I'm traveling. Well, that's really awesome. I didn't know that about you. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, I can't say that I'm not jealous. but that's a good thing. I'm curious to know a little bit about your experience at AU. AU is a little bit of a different environment. Uh, We chatted about this in the past a little bit, uh, that you were mentioning to me that you thought AU is difficult compared to a brick and mortar institution. So that kind of left me wondering a little bit. I was thinking about that and and now I'm here to ask you uh, to expand on it. So I'm wondering if you could tell me why, why do you think that is? Um, And then as a follow-up, do you think that that difficulty offers AU students an advantage or a disadvantage? And I think it offers an advantage in some ways and disadvantages in other ways. I would say it definitely sets you up for success in careers where you have to do a lot of the work on your own. Because I think a lot of the time you get into the the actual workforce and you find out that you're not going to have someone holding your hand all the time and telling you like how good your assignment is before you even hand it in. Like brick and mortar institutions do that sometimes. But it is also way harder when you have questions or you're not clear with something. Because um, you've got that like long correspondence sometimes, sometimes and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think to me the main part that makes AU hard for me is I really like to like see and feel and like have the hands-on part of it and a lot of it is just is like a lot of reading. I'm good at reading and and yeah I know a really good school skill to have good at reading but anyways just after after like a lot a lot of online reading it just like I get I don't know it's taxing. I can totally relate to that and and I'm thinking right now maybe um, do you think it would be helpful if AU um, added a little bit more content to the courses, maybe some visual content, video content, even podcast content? Oh, yeah. Yeah? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. If, they're, if they could add more interactive content, um, I, for example, I've taken some accounting courses where it's a lot of, like, I don't know how to put it other than it's like a, it's like a game. Like you have these questions come up and these assignments and you literally have to like fill it in and it immediately like tells you if you got the right answer. And then you can do it as many times as you want and you can figure out like what's right, what's wrong, like exactly how to do it. So you're just so prepared for the actual tests and stuff. It's, it's awesome. That is really cool. That sounds like something you should definitely look into in my opinion. Um, okay, well, um, we can clearly see from this conversation between both of us that we've both... 
uh, experience the difficulties that can be associated with learning at AU. Um, if you've listened to any of our past podcasts, I think I've spoken about that at some length. Um, not looking at you specifically, but our listeners. <laughs> um, but given the difficulties surrounding AU, I'm wondering if you know if you have maybe a study tip that you'd like to share with us for those distance learners out there who might be struggling a little bit. Sure, I would say biggest study tip that I would have would be to schedule yourself. I I know you like have the courses all broken down into modules and you have a suggested timeline. But pick a timeline that works for you and hold yourself accountable to it and make sure you meet your deadlines because that's going to remove so much stress from your your distance education life. I'm going to have to second that sentiment. And this sounds really ridiculous, but I not only have my work day scheduled on my calendar, but my personal life on my on my Google calendar is broken down. And it's the only way anything gets done around my house. So I wanted to talk a little bit about something we chatted about earlier today at lunch, and that was how you used to work at WestJet. Mm -hmm. And so you used AU in that time um, as your learning, part of your learning journey. Um, Can you elaborate on that a little bit? And what was that like? How did you manage school and working a very full-time job? So I was a crew chief at WestJet, so I basically led groups of three to four people in organizing all of the below the wing activities uh, at WestJet. So that's all the baggage handling, that's marshalling aircraft, that's doing all that kind of stuff. Um, So it is really intensive when it's busy, but as you know, airplanes aren't in all the time. There's big delays and all that kind of fun stuff. So we have a lot of downtime. So I was able to bring my laptop to work and really get through large portions of my courses while I was being paid at WestJet, which was fantastic. So I wouldn't even have to, you know, budget that time at home. I could literally like do it at work um, as well. Kind of what we were talking about earlier. So I got great travel benefits. So when I would go traveling, I would do my studying while I was away. And in the more traditional you know, institutions, you like can't do that. If I had to miss two weeks of class, I would be so behind, like it wouldn't happen. But I was able to like study on the beach, study in my hotel room an hour a day and, and go for those two week trips all the time. So it was great. I really appreciate how much opportunity AU offers me as well in that, in that regard. It's really cool to be able to maintain five courses and work almost full time <laughs> as a student executive. Um, and I really appreciate that. So I have one final uh, AU related question for you before we move on to our rapid fire questions. <laughs> um, what brought you to AU in the first place? the flexibility yeah the flexibility yeah that being able to do it wherever I wanted whenever I wanted so for example sometimes I took those classes in three weeks just because like I I didn't have I had a three-week break between like you know work and my other classes that I'm taking at a traditional institution and that kind of stuff and so I was able to just really like rip through a course and that felt so good to be able to do that so Mm -hmm. that flexibility was definitely the biggest pull for me yeah it also sounds like maybe learning at your own pace is a pretty big draw I mean I guess it ties into flexibility too but um, yeah those are really cool reasons Um, so this so I lied now I have one more question for you (laughs) Um, so I'm just curious what is the fastest that you have completed a three credit course Um, fastest I I I did a course was probably the three weeks 
Yeah. Three weeks is super fast, though. Yeah, it's crazy. It's super crazy. What was the course? It was a finance or accounting course. I don't remember the like title, yeah. but it was like the first year one. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're going to move on to our rapid fire questions now. Um, so we just have a few questions about you to get to know you a little bit. So what is your favorite hobby? That's a hard question. <laughs> But let's go rapid fire. It's squash. Also just bought an electric skateboard, so that's pretty cool. Those are two very awesome things. <laughs> All right, my next question is, what is your favorite band? Uh, Greta Van Fleet right now, I'd say. Pretty cool band. I've never heard them. I'm going to have to check them out. They're yeah. Led Zeppelin. Ooh. New Led Zeppelin. New Led Zeppelin. I like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do that. What would be your superpower? Let's go teleportation because it'd be cool to like go to the beach at lunch living in Calgary you can't really do that a lot so like yeah that'd be sweet okay but what beach would you go to would it be all beaches all over the planet or would it be like a specific place oh let's go let's go different beach every day different beach every lunch hour yeah you know try them all out try some out in like the Antarctic or whatever too that'd be great I have to say like going to the Antarctic is is literally on my bucket list so I appreciate that 100% I have one more question for you it's a timeless one, and everybody's dying to know what is your favorite color. I don't know if I have a favorite color. Maybe. <laughs> How anticlimactic. Red? That's pretty. Maybe? That's a solid choice. That's a solid choice. I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> you could say, you could be like really um, bad and just say white because it encompasses all the colors, right? There, you go. there we go. Okay, it's white. Entire spectrum. After a brief intermission, uh, Natasha and I had some super interesting conversations about the other transfer credits and the other online courses that I've been taking. Um, and then we led into some prior learning and recognition courses as well. So here we are. We're back. We're in a new location. Thanks, Ryan. That was awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, we had a really great conversation. It was very interesting, and I wanted to bring that to our listeners here. So, thanks. Um, let's start talking a little bit more about your other um, experiences with online learning. Um, right you mentioned to me that AU wasn't the only online institution that you had taken courses with. So, Definitely. Um, yeah, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Let's go for it. All let's right. dive in. Sounds good. All right, so... Uh, to give a little bit of background, I guess, I started out my career in sciences because I loved sciences in high school. I took science at UBC in Vancouver. It was great, but I ended up taking this course that was like, what do you do with a science degree? And I had always thought in high school that I wanted to do business, but I thought I wouldn't be able to get a job in it. So when I took this course that was like, what do you do with a science degree? None of the things that we talked about in the course really really excited me, really were interesting to me. So I realized, okay, like I got to switch programs. How do I do that? Which program do I want to take? So I went on this website called the BC Transfer Guide because I was living in Vancouver at the time and I started looking up all of these business courses and like how they transfer. So I basically took all of the first year business courses I could think of that transferred to UBC um, and I took them yeah, all, all of the all of the intro courses, just like how they would how they would transfer them, and they ended up having to come from all different institutions. So, 
I took courses at Langara, which is a, like a community college in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took courses at College of the Rockies, which is based out of Cranbrook. Okay. I took courses at Thompson River University, and I took courses at Athabasca. I took courses at SAIT online. I think that's it. And I so I took an MRU online. So I ended up taking a ton of different courses online and just like it was fascinating to me the different delivery methods that all of these all of these institutions use. Um, so for example, when I was at Langara, I took uh, my very first intro to accounting course that is pretty much a prerequisite for any business degree and it was um, it, I don't think there was a textbook at all. There was no textbook and it was fully online. Basically the way it worked would you'd take you'd take like a basically like a 5 minute slideshow and then you'd do practice questions. Mm-hmm. You'd do the practice question, you'd hit submit, it'd tell you everything you got wrong and it would also show you the right answer and you would just do it until you got it right. And then your grade was when you submitted the entire course at the end, the percentage of all the pre- practice questions that you like got right. So if you wanted to spend as much time as you like could on it, you could theoretically always get 100% in the class. Right. Because it's just, yeah, it's just like, how many, how much effort are you willing to put in? And I thought that was so awesome. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. like it incorporates a lot of different, um, like, learning types as well. Like, the visual learning and the, uh, the hands-on, I guess. Like, so hands-on. Yeah, yeah. And for something like accounting, too, the fact that it was all digital mm-hmm. was, was great. The one thing I will say, though, was the actual exam was paper-based. Oh, which I don't, I don't know. I haven't had that problem at AU recently, but it mm-hmm. was so weird because I had never done anything on paper before. Right. So great course, terrible final exam. Right, because you, you sort of um, you can't really uh, relate what you've learned in that format to a paper-based exam. Yeah. I totally um, actually understand where you're coming from because I've taken some <laughs> computer classes at AU where um, there was programming components within the courses. And those had paper-based exams, believe it or not. So weird. Yeah, isn't it weird? So um, yeah. I, I find that really disconcerting, and it's really hard to sit to sit through that um, type of an exam and feel successful and confident with it. So I totally relate to that one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we were kind of talking about earlier was the degree of difficulty mm-hmm. in the differences in between courses, and I'm not sure if it was because of the different provinces or 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 what it was but some of the courses i took were way easier than other courses okay actually it might it might have been the subject matter too to be fair but i don't think that's what it was for example i took human resources through uh, college of the rockies mm-hmm. and it was a great course and i learned a lot but i i thought it was real easy Okay. It was really easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially compared to some of the courses that I've taken at Athabasca, which, mm-hmm. as you know, can be very content heavy. Absolutely. I actually um, just finished a geography course at, at AU. It's um, Weather, Climate, and Atmosphere. Very interesting course. Highly recommend if you're interested in that subject because cool. it's 15 units and 15 labs and 15 quizzes. Just tons of work. And yeah, it's it's very heavy. Um, and I'm really surprised to hear from you that there's um, a lot of courses out there that would seem maybe a little too easy compared to something like that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure if you were somebody who really loved transfer credits, you could shop around theoretically in like Canada mm-hmm. and find 
a course that was way easier than the Athabasca one that would somehow transfer. Yeah. And I don't know, like, why that is or, like, what has caused that. Yeah. Like, it could just be the teachers even, but I don't know. It's it's strange. That's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know enough about this subject being a program student at AU, so I'm really uh, feeling enlightened by those conversations. <laughs> but speaking about transfer credits, did you want to comment on that process a little bit? Oh, definitely. So one of the big things that I'm passionate about is transfer credits because of my challenges with transferring between programs. I think a lot of high school students jump into something right away and they kind of realize along the journey that that's not what they actually want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that doing a transfer between schools, between provinces should be easy because you're learning the same things. But I have had a lot of situations where I take a course at one school um, that has the exact same learning outcomes at at a school that I'm trying to transfer that course to. And for some reason it doesn't count. So then I have to pay more money and spend a bunch of time, and it's super boring because I've already learned it and I already know it, right. just to, to take the exact same thing again. So one of the things that I really want the Alberta government to do is to, to kind of emulate that BC transfer guide that I was using, because right. it's great. And the Alberta government is doing a decent job right now with it. They have this new thing that came out called the Alberta College Transfer Guide, Anyways, it's great. It just doesn't have very many classes right now. Right. Yeah. So it needs to become more robust. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's also a certain degree of uh, like continuity, I guess, with it. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the online classes I took counted according to the, uh, the Alberta Transfer Guide at the beginning. Right. But then at the end of the course, my institution decided that it no longer counted. Right. And then I had to fight and like go to meetings with like the academic chairs and stuff to make it count. And that was frustrating, and that was a longer process than I would have liked. Yeah, and I bet yeah. you're not alone in that. I'm sure there's plenty of students out there going through the same types of things. Oh, yeah. 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 From all the people that I've had conversations with, transferring credits is not easy. Yeah. And I feel like my story has been told time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's one course or all of your courses, it's just it seems to happen to everyone who like ends up transferring degrees. Yeah. Or or diplomas or certificates or whatever it may be. So definitely something that we should focus on as students with the government. Definitely. All definitely. Right. Well did you know that at AU, speaking of sitting in a class, learning something that you've already learned, um, that we have a program called prior learning assessment recognition. Um, Yeah, and actually um, you can enroll in this program and um, you can have your prior work experience assessed for the potential of course credit. Um, So I think that's pretty cool. Did you know about that? I I didn't know about it until today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, until our conversation. Yeah, you did. You spilled the beans. Yeah. But I think that's so cool and I think that's something that more students need to take advantage of especially with our kind of a lot of older generations and people that are switching careers and having to go back to school Mm -hmm. if they knew that they could get credit for all these kinds of jobs that they've done that would be great and you were telling me a little bit bit about the process and like how you do that Mm -hmm. and that was super cool so I would love if you could 
kind of go through that again because that was... Um, so I'm a science student. I'm in general science, taking a Bachelor of Science in general science. And um, normally when you're a science student with PLAR, they have you do a science-based uh, portfolio, which essentially encompasses your experience within the field. Um, so people who work in laboratories or have research experience. Um, I don't have that experience. I have a lot of administrative experience. I've owned and run businesses. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of organizations, nonprofits, things like that. So I thought a course-based portfolio would probably be better suited for me. So I looked for approval for that and I did get that approval. Um, so I went forward with the course-based portfolio. So what we're doing right now is we've identified different classes that I could get credit for based on my work experience, looked at all the learning outcomes, and now we're kind of mapping out like like how do I um, encompass those learning outcomes in my work um, and kind of developing that thought in terms of like why do I do those things like where did I learn that theory um, so you're like really unpacking things that you need to sort of like reflect on so it's really a kind of intensive process um, but then once you finish that portion of it you have to go and find evidence. So you have to go and like collect projects that you've done or even email correspondence that you've had with people and you have to compile it all. You can get reference letters from people that can attest to your skills and experiences. And then um, once your portfolio is complete and this can take like up to a year, like it, it's not a short process, um, it gets assessed and then it's determined at, at that point whether or not you get the credit and for what courses you get the credit. So, so for similar. your courses, was it a lot of kind of like option courses? So if you got, for example, I think one of the courses you said was leadership? Yeah, it was, yeah. So I'm taking, uh, so I'm actually, sorry, I'm not taking it. I'm looking to get credit through PLAR for organizational behavior and leadership. Right. Um, because I do have a lot of experience in that. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off. So what was your question? <laughs> no, I was just saying, so that was one of the ones that you are that you're getting assessed right now mm -hmm. and you had to describe all of the outcomes for it but you're in a science degree so this still right, counts right. towards a science degree yeah. as yeah. an option yeah absolutely um, so I fulfilled all of my science requirement requirements through my coursework um, and now I'm, I'm filling in like my my options my electives uh, they actually don't recommend that you take science courses through PLAR they've never had students try to do that because there's so much theory involved and it's not you know, like, it's, it's hard to sort of prove that you have that knowledge. It sounds hard. Um, I would say if you're not, like, super comfortable with the subject, it would prob probably isn't for you. Like, maybe challenge the course or... So then what's the difference between challenging a course and mm -hmm. doing this prior learning? That's a good question. So um, I would say the main difference is that, like, the prior learning is really more of, like, a self-reflection process, whereas challenging a course is um, you're, you're essentially saying I have this knowledge and you're just gonna like apply that knowledge in a linear way. So you write an exam, sometimes you do a project. Do you write the same exam? I actually don't know. Um, it might depend on the course because okay. if you go on the syllabus, you can actually read about whether or not you can challenge a course and then um, each course has its own kind of set of parameters to deal with. So it might okay. depend. Cool. I've, never done, I've never done that, actually, so it'd be good to talk to somebody who's challenged the course before, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about the mentors that you had with PLAR and like how they help you to mm -hmm. go through this whole process? Yeah, that's a great question, too. Um, so we are assigned a mentor when we start this process. Um, by the way, it can take a while to actually begin the process. You might okay. apply for it, and then you might actually be on a waiting list. So um, I would suggest applying earlier in your degree if you're planning to do this. Um, not at the end when you're hoping to wrap it up. 
Um, Smart. Yeah. So um, then the mentor contacts you and sets up sort of an, in- an initial phone call. Uh, and at that time, you're able to discuss what you're hoping to achieve, what courses you think you might be able to get credit for, uh, the approach you're thinking of taking. Um, the mentor gives you resources for different webinars that AU has published about PLAR, different um, course, uh, sorry, different portfolio styles. So like the science base and the course base that I explained earlier. Um, lots of resources online and they're essentially there for you every step of the way. So yeah, it sounds like they're super supportive yeah, of you absolutely. in this whole process. Yeah. And even earlier we talked about if you don't give an adequate description of how you've met a course outcome, they will tell you that and they'll help you kind of like figure out if you actually have met that course outcome and they'll maybe like guide you to like, hey, talk about this experience because like you do have this experience and you did meet this outcome. Right, yeah, and they're really good about like also on the other hand, if you pick something that um, maybe is gonna be more difficult to achieve that credit through par with, they will be upfront about that and say, you know, I don't think that's, that's a great. good choice. Yeah. So you're not wasting your time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really great program. Yeah. Um I'm sort of midway through it right now, so I can't really speak to like the, the end result yet. Um I'm planning to graduate. I've been mentioning this to everybody in the world. Nice. Um so good for you. Thanks. <laughs> it's been it's gonna be like six and a half years for me. So nice. Common experience at AU I think, but um, so I should be done in February. That's my personal goal. And um, maybe I'll know more at that time about awesome. PLAR. Yeah. Awesome. And I guess the way that's interesting that we kind of ended up talking about that is because, in a sense, PLAR is also kind of like a transfer credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. It's transferring your like real-world experience into the academic world, yeah, which like is that. super unique. And I was just wondering... Like if, if other institutions even have that or if that's something that's super unique to I, AU. I have heard of it. Um, I don't know if it's super common or maybe it is common and it's just not like widely communicated. Um, but I think I have seen that exact wording elsewhere, which makes me think maybe it's um, uh, sort of, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, not controlled by the government, but the framework maybe is put in mm. place by the government. Sort of like how courses and programs... Yeah, and like how courses and programs have to go through the ministry before they're approved. Um, maybe it's sort of factored in like that. Um, so it's um, standardized, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But enlighten all of uh, your listeners. Yeah. Here. I'm sure this will help a few people out with some knowledge at, at AU from a different, uh, few different perspectives. So awesome. appreciate it. Love it. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and uh, for tuning in, and uh, just and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Yay!